Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matter. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Did that? Did that intro? Is that the right intro? Is that what? intro? Is that? Yeah. Maybe I wasn't listening uh, hard enough in the beginning. Well, is that I, the one where there's like a clip of Trump saying something about real estate too? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of uh, queuing up our bed music, but it should have been right. Yeah, yeah. It's the same rocking thing here. The only thing wrong about the intro is it's Dan and Jason. Yeah, we yeah. need to, we need to just update yeah. that. I like your idea of it. Should just be Mortgage Matter with the guys or yeah. the boys. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Although we're going to have a female guest today, so maybe it seems to be like the people. With the people. Yeah. From For the, the people. From the yeah. place. <laughs> By the people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the voice of you know, Jason Van Dyke in the studio today. Good did morning. we ever? Good morning. We never did ascertain what the Mortgage mass Matters listeners are. They're like, you know, they're the more, Grateful Dead has the deadheads. Yeah, I think, I think for me, they're the. Um, uh-huh. There's really a couple choices, and they're they're probably the data heads. The data heads. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or you know, I don't know. Yeah. Open to suggestions. Yeah. Should get some hats made or something. <laughs> Dan's out today, watching uh, some soccer. Right. Yeah, I think really just cashing in on uh, opportunity to not be here. It was kind of funny. I saw an email where he basically said, "Hey, here's like eight weeks in a row of like soccer I have going on," and I was like, "Yeah, kindergarten soccer serious around here." Yes, it is. You know, all soccer is serious. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, we were talking about going to the Cal Poly game tonight. May go to that Cal Poly game tonight. Uh, it's a big deal in your family for um, sure. Yeah, my my nephew or uh, my cousin George plays soccer at Cal Poly. It's a big deal. He's a good player. Um, I was gonna. Oh man, I was gonna pull it up and uh, tell you guys what it was because they're having like a special offer today. Now, you had mentioned something about that, something to do with the military, right? It wasn't just military, though, so it's like... um, I know it's active duty military. Active duty veterans, Mm -hmm. um, but also first responders. So I think all, yeah, all LE, EMT, paramedic, firefighter, basically, I think, you know, anybody kind of cut from that cloth or free admission this evening, uh, in addition to... um, you can get four tickets for free. Wow. They just want you to flash an ID at the ticket window and get your tickets. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're, well, Cal Poly's hosting Westmont tonight. So, there you go. 7 p.m. 
Should be fun. That soccer's yeah. great out there, man. I think the quality of soccer that Dan's going to be watching today is going to be just just below that. A notch below. Just, <laughs> just s- below that. If you've ever had kids that are their first year or two and in kindergarten or first grade trying to play soccer, it's um, soccer's the sport that it's called basically because they have a soccer ball. An outfit that looks like cute. Yep. It's cute. And you can score. You can score. It but is But you don't count them. You don't count them. You could it could be thirty-one to one, and everybody did a great job. In fact, they'll have it now. Some leagues are set up where if you win by a certain amount of goals, you lose the game. Like if you're ever ahead by more than five, you automatic, you automatically forfeit. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've I've watched games where one team is oh, far enough no. ahead where that rule's in place. Where they're dribbling towards the goal and have to turn around and just kind of go another direction because if they score again, they automatically forfeit that game. Oh, the things we do to make sure that everyone feels—I I see both but sides of it. I do. I, I see both sides of it too. But but the like competitor in me, because and believe me, I've been on the downhill side of a butt whooping in right. a sporting event. The last thing you want is like the whole team, like. Let's use baseball as an analogy. Let's say it's 20 to nothing and you're just, you're getting bludgeoned. The last thing you want to see is like everybody's batting lefty now. Right. And the infielders are in the outfield and then the catcher's pitching and you're, it's a, they're literally making a mockery of you because they could play anywhere in any position and still beat you. Um, I would rather it's like, no, for my sake, let's just keep competing. You stay on the right side of the plate where you belong. <laughs> stay in your own position. My memory of that is playing miniature golf with my grandpa when I was young. We play for a dollar a hole or probably a quarter a hole because it's fun and exciting. And I remember, <laughs> you know, not doing as well as I'd like. And, you know, I owe him 75 cents. And, and we get down to those last final holes. And it's obvious He's Grandpa. throwing the hole. Yes. And there's, Pete there's, Rose, there's nothing more frustrating that losing is bad enough, but then to be losing and then have the person be like, oh, whoops, I did it again. I just four putted oh, from inside a foot. That would just, what? It was, that's a spiral for me, anyway. So I don't know if the kids feel that way when they're playing soccer and they're down 5 nothing, but Yeah, I don't either. So that's what Dan's contending with. Yeah, today. the funny thing though is that you know my kids, I have three kids have played pert near all the sports here in Slow County. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably all of them. And you know, those young years, you don't keep score. It's not really the emphasis. Everybody's really trying to learn a job, right? right. And uh, get along on a team, follow some instruction figure out how to stay within the field of play, all those things. And the older you get, it starts, they do start keeping score and having a record and maybe a first place finish. But um, there's just all those years where it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, the kids, coaches, and parents all seem to be like, yeah, but we know who really won that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we and so then I'm like, score, well, but... come on. Is actually the the goal today here in 2018, the goal is just to make it like a ruse that everybody sees right through, that it doesn't actually matter, but you all did keep score anyway. So we're just, we're just, that's the thing. We're just pretending that, that we don't really know how that went 
or just that it's not well documented. Just I don't get it. I mean, I understand. I understand winning and losing. Believe me. But I don't know. Anyway, Dan's at a soccer game. Thanks, buddy. Got me all <laughs> got me all off on a on a tangent this morning, right out of the gate. Dan's at a soccer game. Cal Poly's having a soccer game tonight. Right. And here we are. We're doing the radio. Feels like summer's kind of over, right? It's starting to feel that way. Well, look outside today. Yeah. You know. And yeah, uh, but when I left my house in South Tascadero, it was really sunny and nice. Like it was it looked like it was shaping up to be a really nice day. Uh-huh. And it was one of those days where right as you crest the grade and you begin coming into slow, it looks like it almost looks like the valley filled with white water. Hmm. You know, and it's got a wispy edge right in front of you, and you just plunge right into it, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, sunglasses off, headlights on. That's pretty cool. When I live in the South County, and the ground was actually wet this morning mm. from the fog. So, wow. And I don't know if the last time anybody complained about being in the studio too cold. Well, <laughs> so, Jason, so, Jason, I'm going to go check that here in a Jason's little bit. Jason's pretty temperamental. Don't, please don't. <laughs> he just, he just, you need that 15 minutes of all of the hot air in here getting blown around to like warm up the studio. I'm already feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> this cup of coffee's not bad either. So yeah. that's working. So we have a guest coming on at the 10 o'clock hour. Yep. Janine Dunn, Coldwell Banker out of Pismo. Are you excited about that? I'm excited about that. She's uh she's a great realtor for sure. I- I've been lucky enough to know her for a while now. Um, and I've been able to see her real estate, um, business grow. And I, I, I really think she's unique in, in that she really grew up in real estate and right. it's been something that she's been a part of her whole life. So that's always a unique perspective for sure. I have been hanging around lately here and hearing and reading and all this, like I can, I feel like, I know I said this on the show the last few weeks, but it feels like there's active campaigning against the real estate market right now. Hmm. You feel like you're seeing that? Yeah, Dan and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the radio where um you know, you you speak with realtors and and these people in the industry that have um I mean, they make their living on transactions obviously, right? And they make their living on selling the the American dream here on the Central Coast, which sure. which is which is all true for sure. Um, it's kind of like, I, I always think of it like the investor, this, the financial planner that's like, well, it's always time to buy. It's always time to buy. It's always time to buy. At some point, there's got to be a sell strategy, right? I mean, it can't always be one direction. And so one thing with conversations with realtors the last few weeks and months is sort of like, well, is is there a bubble? Like they kind of, you even hear the voice go to a bubble? Is there a bu- is it, are things priced too high? Um and we just start to see that those that grumbling a little bit, which I think is probably parallels some of the the sentiment you're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's just interesting to me. I have clients, you know, that that come into my office and they're just they're Joe the plumber, you know. Mm-hmm. Whether they're a school teacher or you know, any, any amount of people that you would expect, they're just going to work every day. And, um, I, everybody's got a friend that's a realtor, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think one in two Californians has a real estate license. 
Um, if not, you know a mortgage guy. There's a lot of those too. So my point is, is that you always have access to somebody in the industry, mm-hmm. okay? But normally in your life, you're just doing your thing, right? You're working, working away, and you hear the little pieces, right? Little clip here, mm-hmm. little news article there, little headline over here. Um, some you framework, s- some framework for sort of what's happening. Yeah, and then a little conversation at the water cooler, mm-hmm. um, you know. There's always that guy in the office that that owns five houses, and he is really proud of the fact that he's the authority on local real estate because you know he inherited two and acquired two more. And so it's just a lot of that around, a lot of little pieces, right? And and human nature is just we add up the pieces, even if it's subconsciously we add up the pieces. And so I'm just saying that lately I have these people coming into my office that aren't in our industry; they just are normal people and they come in and they sit down and they're like okay well now that the market's dropping (laughs) (laughs) right and i'm kind of like wait what Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i and i kind of am i'm like what what are you conversation is going to go one of a few ways one is like oh well you know i read this article on msn oh okay national usually a lot of national numbers yeah, that and people I, are trying to apply to totally coast, and right? i'm like and i understand that <clears throat> i understand that there's a that dialogue's out there sure. and like i said i feel like the media is almost campaigning they mm-hmm. want to be first to call it or um just the fear you know because it's been a 10-year run you might just get lucky maybe there's just some fear that uh, there really is a correction coming, um, or maybe it's just that there one is coming. You don't even need to be fearful of it, but you may as well just know that it's coming because we just had a 10-year mm-hmm. um, bull run. Okay. Cyclical, right? Like everyone talks about yeah. cycles and- And whatever. So you and just, and- I see that that stuff's out in the mainstream media. That's what the headlines say. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yet then at the same time- um, I, I like, what's your local experience to that? What's your price point? Um, you know, and here's a good example. I have a guy I've been working with for a couple of years now. Great guy. Just, he has a decent living situation, house he already owns, but it's got a, it's like a duplex over off Bouchon, right? So it's got like a shared wall situation and um, it's paid for, right? So he's not in a super hurry. The smart guy. Mm-hmm. So he's he hits me up and is basically like, well, I'd like to have a house, right? Get this thing back to just renting it out. It was a supplemental piece of income. He has no interest in selling it. Um, retired, you know, but I just want to have a house again. I just want to have a house where I'm not sharing a wall. So anyhow, comes in, we start kicking around the numbers. But like I says, smart guy, and he's not highly motivated, right? His living situation's pretty fine. Um, Timing is a luxury he has, for yeah. sure, right? But it's also, in this case, it's almost like the Achilles heel, though, because he comes right. in, you know, when the rates are at, like, four and a quarter. And we do some tire kicking. Ah, prices are pretty high out there right now. You know, they've been going up a long time. You know, I might just, I might just take my time. So he shows up a, a year later. As all interest rates are four and a half now, and prices are ten percent higher, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that 
didn't really work. But hey, maybe it comes back down. At the same time, he didn't find the perfect house. Mm -hmm. So still in a pretty good living situation. May as well, you know, stay on pat. So he shows up now like a, a few weeks ago. Hey, what's the interest rate market looking like? I'm like, man, we're we're getting close to five now, bud. Like, yeah, this thing's just moving along, and mm-hmm. and truly, if we're just calling a spade a spade, the Feds have already told us they're raising rates like four to six more times over the course of the next like what now is ultimately fifteen months. Probably next week is uh, another. We're gonna one, yeah, right? it's a, what twenty fifth, twenty sixth. Yeah. We're going to find out about another quarter there. The odds of the rate hike there are at like 98%. Yeah, very high, yep. So I said, if we wait another year, the rate's going to be 6% another year. Mm-hmm. Um, and prices locally are, you know, they keep going up 6 7% a year. So, but again, you still haven't found the right house. So that those things, that's just sort of background noise, right? You got to... Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to spend, I hope people aren't spending half or three quarters of a million dollars on just a full-blown whim. Mm-hmm. But so anyways, he's kind of um, finds this house, like right on. He's excited about it. And I'm like, you finally found one. And 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 so we talk about the rate. It's like, yeah, the rate's higher. But more importantly, you know, you found a, the house that you're happy with. And that's awesome. It's been a long road, right? So... He told me, oh, you know, the house is offered for, was it 668? 668. That's right, 668. And he said, um, I'm going to go in strong because I like it. So um, I understand there's some other people that like it. So he says, I want to write an offer for 680. And I thought, Dang, you must really like it. Gonna get it, right? You're gonna you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. Good on you. You must really like it, right? He emailed me back the next morning and said, "Well, it was really two days later." He is so disappointed that it went pending. They accepted an offer for more than seven hundred thousand. And I was like, "Wow, I guess he wasn't the only one who wanted it, right?" Uh huh. I'm like, "Wow." And at 680, I was like, you know, when the market's doing what it's been doing lately, where it's like it's just kind of ever pushing the upper edge of what the comps can even support, usually you just like cringe over the appraisal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like everyone on your street sold their house for 500, and now there's no more for sale. And now you're going to sell yours for 515. When it makes sense, you deserve it. You're it's a commodity, you have the only one for sale. But see, the appraiser is going to run into all these comps for five hundred. It doesn't have one to support five fifteen. So then he just makes like this time adjustment. Well, mm-hmm. see, those were forty five days ago. Mm-hmm. So that's why you get to get that other fifteen thousand. It's a hard sell, right? Mm-hmm. Appraisers don't love it. Underwriters don't love it. Typically, so you're just- when you're buying a house, you like to see. Uh, an appraisal, you get an appraisal report on that specific property, and then on that appraisal report, it will show recent sales in the area, yeah. when they were, square footage, and so you're hoping to see some comparable sales yes. that are in the range that you're buying, so you know that through underwriting, there's no issues or questions about yeah. value. And when I was back in my underwriting days, and this makes sense, right? They sent us through some appraisal training, 
And not that, I mean, I'm not going to suggest we did all the thousands of hours of real training, but we did like some of the, the grid part of it about what you should expect, what you're really looking for in that grid with those comps. And really you want, they call it bracketing, mm-hmm. but they want to bracket the features of the home that you're buying. So if your place is 1,500 square feet, we'd really like to see one close and recent that was 1,600 and one that's 1,400. Kind mm-hmm. of what happens around you. Put, yep. your, put the brackets up, right? Yep. Um, so you always want to see the sales price bracketed, for example, 560. Cool. What's 570 get you versus 550? Are, are we now when we see the three pictures, we see the condition, we see the bed and bath count, we see the, you know, the architectural appeal, we're like, yeah, those three houses, they look all the same. And we bracketed ours. We feel pretty good about understanding that we're not the bottom of the barrel. We're also not the, the highest and nicest house in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You can't bracket homes where the appraisal is pretty straightforward and everyone sells for more than the last one sold. Mm-hmm. Can't get You can't get there. So now you live in this land of trying to make a case for why this thing's worth more. Yep. And really it's worth more because of sentiment. Supply right. and demand, sentiment, marketability like mm-hmm. that. You know, and and really, this is a thing that any of the realtors that are listening today will love this next comment. The fair market value of something is defined by what a willing and able buyer and seller are agreeable to. Mm-hmm. So if we're all tasked in appraisal with finding the fair market value, that's what it is. Um, so anyhow. And this, this comes up more in our industry because we're on the finance side of things. If you're, if you're paying cash for a property and you want to pay an extra $50,000 by all means, then you can, you can spend that money. Right. I still try to tell people though, even if you're paying cash, having appraisal is not a bad idea. Oh no. They're pretty inexpensive. I like the framework, but I guess that transaction just doesn't require it. Yeah, you're right. It It, can be completed much It's an elective component as opposed to in the lending world. This is like, the appraisal, I mean, especially today, they're completed on most transactions. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a whole lot of um, just a, we love the process that the appraisal goes through from beginning to end and what the story it tells in terms of the risk for the lender, right? Yep. Order it through the clearinghouse, assign it to an appraiser that's not, um, you know, somehow being influenced or coerced by the loan officer or lender. Let him have some anonymity while he reviews the contract and does the inspection. Then they deliver the port where it goes through QC. QC evaluates it for whether there's any missed comps or errors or things that they ultimately give you like a red flags report. Mm -hmm. They then give it to the underwriter. The underwriter looks over the QCers notes and their own against the guidelines and they come back and they, they run it through automated underwriting engines that also evaluate the collateral and tell you how much confidence you should be really be able to have in that property based on other appraisals and transactions that have happened recently near there. We look, I feel like most people are very comfortable with the appraisal process right now. It's comprehensive and multi-layered for sure. Well, and we've sent, Spent years ripping out the collusion out of it. Right. 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 
So it's sort of like that's one of the biggest parts. Um, you know, when when I was underwriting, we always are teaching new underwriters to underwrite. It was always like the three C's of a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first C is the collateral, yep. right? And then you have the the credit and character, basically, of of the borrower. But the collateral, like you could, if you have the collateral nailed down, Pat, that's where your greatest losses can possibly happen, um, or have your greatest protection. If the if the character of the borrower turns out to be less than desirable, at least your collateral's solid, right? Yep. So, yeah. Anyhow. Um, the, in those cash transactions, doesn't matter. You, it's elective for you to get one or not. And I, I'm always surprised when a lot of people don't. So yeah, no, I know what it's worth. All right. Yeah. So I, your your borrower. I would get he one. Was, he was. I would get one. Can I just say that <laughs> if there's anybody yeah. that's listening right now, that's like. A cash buyer, potentially a cash buyer, one of those people that buys a house cash and then takes the loan out later. Um, I, I've been in the real estate and lending game now for 16, going on 17 years. I've done a lot and seen a lot. I got a lot of miles under my belt. I would get an appraisal. Mm-hmm. So it's a good value, I think. Even when uh, there there are actually transactions now, even purchases, which is seems an oddity to me, um, that we can get approvals on without even actually having an appraisal. You can get a waiver, yeah, yep. yep. And so basically, that that automated through the automated systems, they're able to evaluate what they anticipate this property's worth based on other homes in the area that have sold recently, and and a lot of times it's when someone has really high credit scores and. They're putting a lot of money down um, where they can get this waiver, but it's not even required for lending. It also has to do, though, too, like I said, with those automated collateral evaluation engines. Right. If if your neighbor recently got a loan that required an appraisal and the appraisal got a five out of five on the evaluation, then this sort of – and they know now because of the uniform – value entries on every field of the appraisal. It gets uploaded into an engine now, so it knows. So it says, okay, well, three-bedroom, two-bath at 1,700 square feet in this town, mm-hmm. built in this era, all of those things. And that's what you're going to see on a five out of five on that um, that collateral value is you sort of hit all the metrics. Man, they're all the same. They're the same age or the same size. The sales are recent. It's all reasonable. Everything's right. It's basically ideal. This would be an appraisal where you wouldn't see any adjustments on the grid. Right. You just lined them all out and be like, ah, it's so clear what this place is worth. Right. That's a five out of five. So if your neighbor got that, was asked to get an appraisal because the engine was unsure, and then delivers a report that's a five out of five, and then a month later you come in, you're like, I'd like to buy this house or refi this house right next door. I'm putting 20% down with my 800 credit score, and it just goes, pulls public records on that house, sees all the things and goes, doing an appraisal is really just um, kind of a waste of time and money. It's gonna get a five out of five, and we know that. Mm -hmm. So here's a waiver. 
I usually would still tell my client, hey, you got a waiver, um, which means at your option now, right. you can either sign this form and not have to do an appraisal, or you can get an appraisal. You can get an appraisal on your own. You could still do an appraisal with me the normal way. Mm-hmm. The realtors all love it when there's no appraisal, right? Because now you don't have that potential problem, boots on the ground that are going to be like, oh, I see bubbling paint over here. Right. Underwriters not going through the appraisal report looking for whatever those all red flags that. are. Sure, sure. Yeah. So anyhow, um, let's do a commercial break. It feels, feels breaky in here right now, doesn't it? You need to run and get your sweatshirt. I think I'm going to be all right. That coffee oh, good. me up. Good. Okay. I'm going to get another one, though. Good. Are you? Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's get Jason a cup of coffee then. We'll get Jim a break. Jim can pick out a song. It'll be fun for everyone. And uh, you guys stick close to that speaker because we're going to be back in, uh, I don't know, two minutes or so, huh? Yeah, two minutes flat, pretty much. Yeah. Stick around. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. A big nice pain in the 
big disgrace Waving your banner all over the place We will, we will rock you <laughs> Wow, get it, Jim Get it, Jim I feel, like I've, I feel like I've heard this song before. <laughs> oh, pretty Who much. Is that? Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> Some guy named Freddie Mercury. Some man named Queen. Dudes look kind of weird, though. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd let my kid hang out with them. No, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Man, we always played that whole song, huh? Pretty much. We got, like... Yeah, pretty much. We might be a little beyond, the, but oh well. Just reminds We're me talking of, over it. Just reminds me of high school football, you know? On the bus, on the way to the game, just getting hyped up. Right. Getting ready. Yeah, there's, like, the other, you know, like, the, the Rocky theme song. Well, you know the tracks. Don't you? Two hundred and thirty-three million views on YouTube here. That's all. And That's one, baby, my... and one, <laughs> and one. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. I wanted to to hop in real quick. Um, like I said, we have a guest that's coming on for the second hour of the show. Really excited about um, that conversation. I'm sure it'll be enthralling. And, um, but, but right now though, there, there's a, there are a few things that are just worth running through. Like I said, there's some, some of the listeners here to the show are into the data component of it. And I know tune in every week for it. So I I like to try to make sure we keep that around too. Jason's got newspaper articles spread out everywhere in front of him, but, um, I guess I'll take the lead on this one. Um... <laughs> oh boy. So housing starts and um building permits were a couple of of uh data pieces that came out this last week that um you know we hang on these ones every month. This is a real good indication for us about uh the state of real estate. Yep. Um housing and- starts in what may june june we're at a nine month low yep so things were uh not so great in the middle of the summer so what did we what did we so this august week? we had a 9.2 percent jump over um july mm-hmm. so that's pretty good the annual pace of starts so this is breaking ground on on new residents here starts was 1.282 million um and that was even above forecast by 50,000 units. Um, July starts, by the way. This, so this is the other bright spot of this reading. Um, they went back and, and published that July starts were revised higher uh, to an annual pace of 1.174 million. So um, that's pretty awesome. It's a good rebound um, off that, that low that we saw before, right? The sure. The low in June. Yeah. And, and also a reminder, too, that on these data points, um, you can't ever take one month and believe that that now sets the new norm, right? Right. If you put too much emphasis on one month, you believe the sky is falling or that, you know, the future is ours based on one month's data. And, and really, you need to be able to zoom out a little bit and, and see how these things work. Um, I just want to point out that 
that having an annualized pace of almost 1.3 million and sustaining that for the majority of the year here is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about the current state of housing, the longtime listeners of the show know that I, I want to beat this point into everybody's head. Uh, we are, as a nation, in order to keep up with um, population growth, both people being born here, but also folks immigrating here and, and here on work visas and all these kind of things, between keeping up with population growth, that that ever-increasing demand for housing, and then also keeping up with structures that are um, at the end of their their economic life, they're no longer really habitable, or they're destroyed by things like uh, flood and fire. And we saw we got another taste of that a couple, you yeah. know, just still buttoning up right now. In fact, they're still trying to squeegee water out of some pretty big cities. Right. Uh, lots of homes destroyed, right? And some of them will be um, better off to just be rebuilt instead of being tinkered around with if they were old or cheap or or manufactured um, and not worth much. There are a variety of reasons, right? Or damaged beyond salvage. Uh, anyways, my point is you got to be building what? Well, the estimate is about a, th- a million annual homes. Mm-hmm. So we had the decade. And you can go back and look. The low water mark here started um, right during the recession. It was around 200, just over 200,000. And we worked our way for years. For 10 years, we worked our way back to the million mark, really only cresting it last year. So somewhere along the way, we missed, depends how you know conservative or liberal you want to be on the the counting up how many homes we really need to balance supply and demand so oh i'll let you pick that number it's somewhere between 5 and 20 million <laughs> okay so again that that supply and that's a supply and demand problem which is a huge reason why we're seeing price continue to get pinched. We're just pushing prices up and up and up and up and up because we have a supply and demand problem. And so again, going back to it, housing starts 1.238 million annualized um, up month over month, looking pretty good. I'm sorry, 1.282 million. And um, Anyhow, the the next figure that always comes out with starts is permits. Permits gonna, is yeah, a this is interesting because it, it's it's I'm interested to hear how these dovetail together for you, right? Because we're talking sure. about the housing starts and trying to to keep pace with the need, um, and then now we're now we're running into some building permits. Um, this is actually down by five point seven percent. That's right. So is that is that the crystal ball that you see? Is the I mean obviously the Building permits is a sign of of what future construction will so look like. So permits is a leading indicator, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why we care about this one so much. It gives us, like you said, um, that crystal ball feeling. Mm-hmm. None of us have a crystal ball, okay? That's obvious. Still fun to state it every once in a while. Um, none of us have a crystal ball. But there are some of us that are very interested in in 
taking as much of the data set as we can and trying to draw reasonable conclusions about what the future does hold. Right. Um, so leading indicators like building permits, I mean, this is, this is an obvious one. Um, if you're going to pull a permit, you have an intention to build. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, I really care about you got through the permit phase, you found funding, you broke ground and we're underway. You were able to hire the people took to swing those hammers. Awesome. That's a start. A permit is I have a pretty like I'm pretty solid on my plan here. I put a lot of money into it in this point and I've invited I've I've already sort of figured out all the players to my game and I and here's my permit. Um so we want to know how many of those permits are pulled? And they were down, like you said, down 5.7%. I'm going to care less right now about the percentage, and I'm going to care a little bit more about the annual rate of 1.229 million permits pulled. Sure. Um, and by the way, starts in July were revised upward. Permits in July were revised downward. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit disappointed too. Um, and the permits for single and multifamily construction both slipped a little bit. Um, I don't know what to make of that. So I got to double down on the comment I made earlier that um, you can't ever take one month and um, draw out huge conclusions for the broader economy. Right. Now, that being said, um, this is a radio show and I'm an opinionated person and you want my opinion. Um, so here's a little piece, little, here's a little flower for your cake. Um, I've been talking to as many builders as I know, right? The guys locally here, um, I want to know what's going on locally. I want to know how they're feeling locally. Um, these dudes are stressed out, man. Mm. Yeah, they're worked up. And the problem is, is there's a scarcity of land. There's the most strict building environment that they've ever faced before in terms of, you know, meeting the required calculations for energy efficiency and, um, you know, paying into the affordable housing in lieu fund, providing a mandated solar system, you know, just kind of coming at them from every angle. And then at the same time, there's taxes now on a two by four and taxes on a gallon of paint and blah, 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 blah. It's super expensive. It's a hard, expensive process. And then on top of it, land is scarce. And labor is nearing all-time highs for those tradesmen. So mm-hmm. it, it feels like there's this sort of confluence of all these reasons why these guys are um, they're feeling the pinch. And in order to build a home and get it to market, you got to always have that end user and their price point and budget in mind. It's just so difficult because it's going ever higher. And now you're beginning to see interest rates both to them and the consumer also pushing that that same problem, right? Sort of compounding it. Yeah. They know that, obviously. Um, and then lastly, I would just say too, is that um, <clears throat> they're uh, 
many of them just got done licking wounds from last time. What happens when you build a house and you build it all the way down to that 2008 and it's done now. It's beautiful. Right. Got your sign in the front yep. yard. Put it up. Yeah. Has that new home smell. It's the envy of the neighborhood. Beautiful house. Guess what? That house, if you got real lucky, if you had a crystal ball, you'd have marked it down by 15% and sold that pup in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because if you didn't, you probably lost money on it. 50%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I know we have a lot of builders that listen to the show. Many of them are good friends of mine. And they could call in right now and back me up on this. But a builder takes a infill project like this or a developer brings in a track like one of the ones down, you know, in the land by tank farm. Everybody's always mad at the developer, right? The big, rich developer that's doing all the thing and making all the money. What's the margin here? 10%, 15%, yeah, that's about what it is. That's what you hope it is. So if the, if the economy cooperates with you, now if I'm walking in, I'm pulling my permit, right? I'm getting my building permit out, so I'm going to build a $700,000 house. And what I really need is just for everything to hold. Let right. me get in, let me build, let me hold. My budget is all based around me selling this place for 700000 Now let's say it's 2017. So I pull my permit and I build, and all throughout the way, everything maintains. Everything's okay. The realtor, in fact, looks at it and says, hey, boss, I think you're actually going to be able to put this thing on for seven twenty nine nine. Mm-hmm. What? Extra 5%? That's lucky. Right? That's dumb luck. Mm-hmm. You planned it, right? But from the day you decided it was go time till the day you finished that project, what was that? two, four, five, ten years. So you got a little bit of luck. So right now, knowing that it's two, four, five, ten years on that permit, that project, how confident are you that you're going to be able to make 10%? Right now, the values are high, right? So Yeah, but 24 months from now, would you do it? Oh, from now, right. Yeah. Looking well, I'm forward. asking you. We're talking building permits. I'm asking you, would you right. pull a permit today? Right. Lay out your 500000 and then 24 months from now, you're either going to get back 450 or 550 Are you in? I would be nervous about it. You would? Yeah. I, I personally would be a little nervous about it. That, I, m- that might be why permits are down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's many factors, but that might be one of them. And I would suggest if it's not, then we have too many starry-eyed builders that are running through stop signs. Right. Because we're definitely we know those things. And I'm and again, I'm not I'm not subscribing to the hype that the the housing market's in trouble. Sure. I'm just saying um you you have to be aware and sort of contemplating these things. And I end up Every time I finish up this conversation, I end up back at the place of you underestimate and I'm pointing at you, I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to everybody that sure. thinks the market is really due for a huge correction right mm-hmm. now. You underestimate the supply and demand problem we have. You do. Yeah. 
Um, and if you don't believe me, let's go back because I can. We can go through this math together. The census data reports how many homes are built, and we can go add it up over that ten-year period. We we could get pretty close. We have a supply and demand problem. It's significant. It's not just an isolated little problem, though. You've also got a couple of complications to it, which is that wages haven't kept up mm -hmm. with these increased costs. Right. We know that. Affordability's at all-time lows. Right. We know that. Interest rates are going up in spite of affordability's being right. at all-time lows. We rates know that. the long, wrong direction. Yeah. Um, existing home sales are also one of the metrics that we track and care about. Um, so these are your previously lived-in home. Mm-hmm. Um, they were unchanged month over month for the month of August, uh, arguing that inventory is beginning to stabilize a little bit. One of the pieces I cut from this national article was that just because the volume of existing home sales stayed constant from month to month, they're suggesting that there could be some moderation to the price or to the pace of price increases. And I thought to myself, okay. Keep on trying to make your case. Um, I'm going to be over here telling the rest of the people about all of the folks I know that aren't, they aren't becoming one of the existing home sales numbers because they're one of like everyone that has a sub 4% 30-year fixed. They don't want to sell. Right. I'm not cashing in my four for a five. Let's stay, let's stay put over here. Mm -hmm. Bought your house in 2014. Now you have, what, $200,000 equity? Mm -hmm. Not because you paid it down, just because it was good timing. Sure. Um, all things equal. I just, I just went, I need one more bedroom, and I really want to be in that AG school district. So I'm ready to go from, I'm ready to move from Oceana over to AG. I'm going to cash in my 200000 equity and get this done. I know I got to lose my 4% interest rate and grab a five today. So you just, just going to move your tax base from 400,000 to 600,000. We're just going to move your rate from four to five and you're going to end up in a house. Still a $600,000 house. Right. Guess what just happened to that payment? Uh, it's going to be a lot higher. Yeah, it's either that or grab a Mercedes. Right. About equal. Right. And they're like, huh. I'm going to get the Mercedes. This, this house ain't that bad. Right. So I really think that there's an awful lot of people that would be a part of the existing home sales that are like never selling, mm -hmm. or at least not until there's an economic cycle that's back to their favor. Right. So we see that a lot just with folks coming in and getting pre-qualified and, you know, there's the, you pre-qualify enough people and you've you've got that group of people that segment that's just on the fence like oh we could probably make that payment work but um but we're gonna have to think about it and you know over the last few months as rates slowly increase that payment also slowly increases and it, it kind of kicks them off the fence because of that so that's i know that's one of the reasons um that folks are 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 waiting you know, let's yeah. let's ride this out and see where the affordability goes from here. And then the other thing I was going to say, because it just I know we're getting ready for the break, but um, talk about the permits and you ask how it all ties together for yeah. me. Um, so there's another piece of it. If I'm a contractor right now that that's been building homes for the last four or five years, you know, it's a good thing to do right now. 
start getting ready to do those remodels. Mm-hmm. You know, people that got that low rate, they got that good tax base. They might be a little bit dissatisfied with their home because um, it doesn't have the kitchen they want or the bathroom they want. Yep. Well, they're not going to sell their house and move today. They're going to start dumping their money back into dressing this this baby up. You know, if I can't go because my rate's keeping me to stay, my tax rate's forcing me to stay, um, let's do it in a new shower. And I feel like a lot of people are going to say, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So, again, if you're just trying to stay out in front of the curve, I think that's another reason why um, some of the smartest people I know, by the way, are builders, contractors. These dudes are they're just drenched in logic and intuition, and they know how to solve problems and anticipate problems. Sure. And so I think part of some of it could be that as well, is them just saying, hey, you know what? This is shifting now. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're unless you're the guy that's going to be able to be in a town where you get to buy 40 acres and build a tract of 25 homes, um, which that, that really isn't a slow county thing. Not, right. You know? Right. Infield development, those kind of things. I, you're probably better off really focusing on on being an additions, remodel, renovations company. So that's probably another little part yeah, of it. Yeah, and a lot of people have a lot of equity, right? Because values are high, so they can tap into some of that equity, make some improvements to their existing property, and put themselves in an okay situation. Yep. If you can't love the one you want, right. love the one you're with. All right, guys, we got top of the hour commercial breaks. We got about five minutes here to uh, go grab another cup of coffee, water the dog, do what you got to do. Stay close to the radio. We get back, we have a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters with our uh, special secretive guest. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. everybody welcome back if you're just joining us welcome to mortgage matters uh as threatened we have uh we have guests here in the studio I'll, I'll start by saying we have jason van dyke here jason uh is giving dan a well-deserved day off yep and, uh, you know, so with that, we take this opportunity for uh, Jason to come on, you know, spread a little knowledge, get it going on, maybe get some new customers. There's some people listening. They're just like, you know, that sounds like the kind of guy I want to work with. <laughs> mm. 
Not this other blowhard. I'm I want really, the I'm I really... want the reserve Jason. That's like, you know, <laughs> you're the blowhard, Jason. I'm just I'm here sure. to hang out with you. I'm sure is what I'm here for. Thank you. You know, I saw an opportunity and I I took it. So here I am. Well, I appreciate you. I don't. I like talking about this stuff. It's good. I like I like bringing some of the things that we talk about with our clients and the things that come up in the area to the radio and and it, it always makes for uh, interesting conversation for sure one of my friends that owns another mortgage company in town he told me he said i make all of my loan officers listen to your show tell them to just get Not little really. get little nuggets to glean and and then tell uh you know use them in your conversation with clients stuff it's just good to be a part of the dialogue mm. i'm like appreciate that I'm happy I'm helping train your loan officers. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It's a a small little pool anyway. All right. So one of the best things about Jason being on the show today is that he brought us a guest. That's right. The studio just got smaller. We've got someone in here with us. It's way better now that we have some feminine influence too. (laughs) We have Janine Dunn joining us from Coldwell Banker. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. Is um, that your radio voice? It's so you get all so dear. Is it dear? Got a good one. <laughs> yeah. Got a good radio wow. voice. Yeah. I I don't know about that. Boy, <laughs> did I ever tell you this story, Jim? When I was in like, uh, I guess I was in sixth grade. Uh-huh. So there's a in Big Bear. There's a local radio station, right? Big Bear. You guys know where Big Bear is? Yes. Yeah. It's in the mountains, and you know, up out of San Bernardino. Mm-hmm. There's not. Really, you don't get radio stations from down the hill unless they're broadcast up there. So we had a local radio station, KBHR, K-Bear. And uh, so anyways, they have this opportunity where you could go be a DJ. So like on Monday nights from like (laughs) 6 to 8 or something, I got to go DJ down at the local station and literally like pick the music and like talk and take calls, whatever, right? And it was, I think it was a thing just to get kids involved a little bit, but also get kids, other kids listening and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But it was the only channel in Big Bear, right? Mm -hmm. So if school was canceled because of snow or something, you'd have to tune the radio to know that. So everybody Mm -hmm. knew that station. Anyway, the reason I brought this up right now is that the main sponsor to the show is this company. Um, It's Caldwell Banker. Okay. And Mountain Gallery Realtors. Okay. And they were like, okay, there's not a lot of rules about your show, but you need to mention Coldwell Banker Mountain Gallery Realtors several times during the show. And you have to say it right. The owners of the company will flip out on you if you say it wrong. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, So I guess the big thing was is that everyone said – uh, realtors, oh, which yeah. really yes. bothered Ooh. these people, mm-hmm. but then also, <laughs> yes, Janine shaking her head like, oh no. But I didn't even know like what it was, right? I didn't know. I like, of course, I know realtors. They have like, they're the ones with the fancy cars that sure. drive people around and sell houses, <laughs> or however they do it, right? Um, Something like that. Talk people <laughs> into doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize, and so they said the word that's realtors, and I'm like, gotcha. I thought the problem was with the way that people said Coldwell. 
like they said, Codwell or something oh, weird. I heard that and a few and times. so then I'm like, as I keep reading the thing, because we had that was back in like the carts day and stuff. And so I would have to read the thing oh, and then wow. plug in the cart and hit the You're button. Going back in time here, back in the day over here. <laughs> so I'm like reading the thing and I don't know now. I'm like, I'm on the air now. I'm panicking. Is it Coldwell or Codwell? I mean, I know oh. the rest of this is fine. I understand the rest of it. And, um, Sure enough, they called and said, he did it wrong. Oh, no. I don't, like, you told me not to say it wrong, but nobody said how to say it. Mm -hmm. And then the dude at the radio station was like, I know, that's why I just put the card in and push play. And I'm like, oh. So anyway. That's terrible. That happened to me. Yes. So... Interesting. Uh, so you're with well so well. realtors, realtors, realtors. Yeah, <laughs> and I, one of the guys that works for us, in fact, um, well, I'll just sell him out. Who cares? Mike Jaycott. He's actually one of your processors. <laughs> he loves saying Careful. realtor. Oh, right. He okay. says realtor, and he says realtor to realtors. <laughs> I don't understand that because there's not an I in that word. No, but and, so and Coldwell Banker, there's not an A. There's not an A, yes. Uh, not in the word cold anyway. No. Yes. <laughs> it's not that hard. It starts coming off like Codwell. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and as long as we're talking about people getting upset, I want you all to just remember there's a T in mortgage. <laughs> and when you say mortgage, do your best to not pronounce the T. <laughs> it's not the mortgage matter show. It's the mortgage. Mortgage. Mor- mortgage, mortgage matters. Mortgage, mortgage matters show. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to be silly just to get you comfortable. Do you feel more comfortable oh, yes. now? Thank you. I appreciate that. Little very story. Much. Um, I want you to be perfectly comfortable. Thank you. I threatened earlier, Jason, I teased him a little bit too. I love to tell stories about Jason's personal life. And uh, I told him during the break, I was going to, I was going to sell him out on something he'd rather not talk about. And then we got close. There was a reference to radio. I just wanted to take you to the edge. (laughs) And I watched you sort of flush a little. And then I let it go. I knew I I can deflect. (laughs) But I knew Uh, what you were doing, by the way. Good. Playing with my emotions like that. Okay. So Janine Dunn. By the way, what was your favorite song to play on that show? Maybe I can find it here. Just so we can. Oh, okay. So that was um, probably any track you pick from the Coneheads soundtrack during that era. So just venture on back down there. (laughs) Let's see if I can find a Coneheads. Right. Do you guys remember the Coneheads soundtrack? Not the soundtrack. Really? No. Uh, Pull up the Coneheads soundtrack, like list on one of these sheets, and then we'll have the kids here read it. They're going to love it. It's all right. it's all the songs from that era that you're going to be like, yep. Okay. Um, which I know sounds funny right now, but bear with me. Um, all right. So <laughs> you've been here doing real estate since the early 70s. No. <laughs> That's what he highlighted. A well-established property management company since the early 70s. It was my father's business. Ah, copy yes. that. Okay. Yes. So my dad owned a property management company with my grandpa and um, he also was a contractor. Framing, oh. Yeah, a framing contractor. So, Locally? And no, down in uh, LA. Okay. So, so, you, so you're raised in the culture too then? Absolutely, yes. I was raised all around it. My uncle was a broker uh, for Century 21 for years down in LA. So I was always around real estate growing up. So, awesome. Yeah, they owned, um, they built about 12 apartment complexes down in LA. Wow. Yes. 
That's pretty big time. Yeah. So, so how did you, how did you end up here on the Central Coast then? Um, my husband actually he was born and raised in well born up in Sacramento but moved to Atascadero when he was little and so he lived in Atascadero and I was like hey I'm gonna check out the Central Coast it was beautiful so I thought I'd try it out and fell in love with it so here I can I am. relate to that I was born in in the um, like what we call the valley. Uh, I know around here people say things from the valley and they're talking about Bakersfield or something. I was born in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, yes. And so we lived around down there, kind of nomadic, went up to Big Bear. And then after um, after that, was it was a, a well-orchestrated plan. My wife and I, uh, we were engaged at the time and we had wanted to figure out um, how to get an acceptable distance from home. <laughs> Like far enough that people could come visit you for the weekend, right? But that like um, just wouldn't show up on a Friday night, <laughs> like unannounced or whatever. Like, yeah, we we're just dropping by. So we had determined that the maximum somebody would drive for a normal weekend is like five hours. Um, and so I had, a, I was like, well, sixty miles an hour, it gets you three hundred miles. So we stuck a thumbtack and a map and did a. Uh, you know, the, the three inch circle that got us to 300 miles around. I was like, okay, wow. this is where we can go. This is real. You really did it, this. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> That's how we picked where we wanted to go. <laughs> and so it was like Las yeah. Vegas. No Bakersfield, you know, middle of the Pacific, mm-hmm. lots of water. Right. right? <laughs> and then was like, well, the San Luis Obispo place. That sounds nice. <laughs> I know one of my buddies is going there. So uh, we came up and checked it out, and then we're like, yeah, totally. Yeah. It was either that. It's interesting hearing people's stories on how they end up here, and ultimately when people spend enough time and live here, they feel like they're so lucky. It's just really dumb luck, right? Like that for you, the thumbtack Well, but so we drove, though. We drove up like an exploratory mission. Go check it out. Sure. And when we got up here, it was like, whoa, check it out. Um, You like turn down the radio. And like, just listen out the window. There's no helicopters or sirens. The air is like clear. You can see right. the hills around you. That was what got me. Yeah, you could like, air. you could park and walk into some place. And as you walk around, people are like looking up and talking. And you're like, huh, this is different. It's right. like down in the city, like where I live, you know, in LA and stuff. It's, that's not like that. No, it's not People like are in a hurry. Yes, they're friendly people, all these things, but by and large, it's like lock your car up, get ready for some traffic. The air is gross. Some days you have that smog throat Mm -hmm. thing where you're like, how come my lungs hurt? Absolutely. So you come up here and you're like, we have none of that. See, you came here from like Colorado or something. So you're you're basically (laughs) like, this is how people live, right? I lived in Las Vegas for a couple of years, so I, I got a sense of like too many people. But people don't go outside in Las Vegas, though. So you were just inside in air conditioning all the time. No, I mean you have to go around. You got to get to and from. Right. And this, the traffic in Vegas can be crazy. The heat is not oh. great. So coming and settling here is uh, is nice. The weather. Yeah, Jason. Remember, you were born in San Fernando Valley. So remember when you could drive down to L.A. and the air was like brown. Oh, yeah. Actually yes. see the air in Los Angeles. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, and then they switched over to, like, nuclear power, which cleaned all that up, and now we're going back to burning coal down there. Yeah. yeah maybe, but... Uh, Hopefully all the solar will supplement it, though. But no, yeah. it was... And, and the you cars know, the, have gotten The better. best the days in the valley, by the way, 
We're like, yeah, when you go into LA or back up into the valley, because there's sort of two different basins right there where you mm-hmm. could see dirty air. Mm-hmm. Um, the best days down there would be like pretty much this time of year when you get a lot of sweet Santa Ana's that would blow all that crap out. And then you'd wake up mm-hmm. one morning and look out and be like, whoa, look at the hills. Yeah. You could see Santa it all and feel clean. Yeah. It. <laughs> but it but it took like some yeah. kind of wind event to like yeah. blow it all out of the valley. It was awful. Or maybe rain. I don't know. Rain too, but, <laughs> but, I forgot about those but the wind winds. storms yes. were what cleaned yeah. it out. Sure. In fact, once we moved up to Big Bear, you go to Big Bear and you're up above it, right? So you clean air. It was one of our favorite things about Big Bear. But when you were leaving, as you would come down the hill, especially those first views you would get like over the San Bernardino Valley there. Um, which again is like another sort of valley basin and you'd see that gross air like oh man just like a blanket over the city but on a good after a good windstorm you'd come around the corner and it would all be blown out you could see the ocean yeah. trippy man and that was only i mean once a year maybe you'd be at the right right, right place right time to get to see the ocean from there i know people some people were like nah it never happens i mm-hmm. have seen it it's crazy mm-hmm. um yeah, man. I don't think we're supposed to have this much smog. It doesn't feel right. No, probably not. But around here, we don't have that much. No. Nope. Mm. All I right, don't we need traffic either. <laughs> we need to do a commercial break. Um, we didn't do it right last hour, and Jim got all spun out and was like waving his hands at us and stuff. So we're gonna do a commercial break, and then um, I don't know how much you listened to our first hour, but I have some questions for you about how come all the realtors I know are trying to convince people that the market's going soft and we're all going to lose money. Sideways, they're saying. Sideways. Sideways. That's not how I feel. Good. I feel like it's pretty stable. I want to talk about that when we get back from this break. So take some time out to thank the sponsors. If it wasn't for these guys, you'd have to pay to listen. So um, lend them an ear, do business with them if you uh, need some services like this. And otherwise, we'll be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 396 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328 Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Can't wait the whole time for the chorus. Uh-huh. Here it is. Jim just let it play. It's coming right now. Here is the hook. I would have killed it right there. Boom. <laughs> you waited all that time. Jim's karaoke over there. What was that? It was like 50 <laughs> seconds to get to the chorus. Yeah, sometimes you gotta go. So. Soft stuff. Thanks for that, Jim. Yeah, I love. Um, Go ahead, soundtrack. We are uh, so we're in the studio here with Janine Dunn, um, and I'm curious though. So I know we we foreshadowed this a little bit. You said, "Well, I don't feel that way," but are you at least aware that people are walking around now saying things like the market's changing? Yes. And um, I I feel like. This is what I was telling Jason earlier. I feel like the national headlines are trying to make this case. And I feel like people are now latching onto it. And I'm hearing it enough now that. um, You're starting to believe it? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, I was doing heavy eye rolls at it in the beginning. Right. But then every time we talk about this, there's some part of me that is just like, wait a minute. Am I just like in total denial about this right now? And then. because I do, I think it's easy to get swept up in some of those emotions. And and don't get me wrong. This is the part about real estate that as somebody that works in the industry, it doesn't really matter if it's, it's hot or not. Um, when rates go up and rates go down and houses sell um, and all the things happen, it's like if, if we did have values go down 20%, it would probably be a good thing for my business, right? Because it would give more access to that first-time home buyer. It would create opportunities for people to do that move up. That that the properties that feel slightly out of reach. It's a it's kind of a shot in the arm of of mixing right. everything up again. So I'm not afraid of that by any means. Exactly. But I just keep looking at this and I'm like, from what I see, and maybe it's just so local, but there's such a crazy demand. Yes. That I just see it, it still feels feverish to me. 
I mean, the month's supply for the county is like uh, 3.47%. So, I mean, yeah, very low. Sorry, 3, 3.47. Yes, yeah, so very low. Um, so, I mean, I'm not seeing, I just see, I usually look at median price per square foot. And when you look at that for the county, I mean, you're seeing an increase 15% since 2015. Right. So, I mean, I just, I, I don't see that, yeah, this impending doom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I mean, I feel like, you know, lenders aren't lending, you know, people that can't, that can't really qualify anymore. So, I mean, that was when we saw the bubble burst before, you know, there was a lot of banks that were doing the Absolutely. state income and all of that. So, <laughs> you know, it's so funny though. Um, Dan and Jason and I snuck away to a baseball game this week. Nice. Yeah. And when we were driving up there, of course, we were, we were talking business most of the time, right? At least most of the time on the way up. And one of the things that we were talking about um, was there's a handful of products right now coming out again that are stated income. Ooh, yes. Yep. And I've often wondered, yeah, so my my opinion, I mean, I as soon as I start to talk about this, I, I have flashbacks back to that um, Alan Greenspan. Do you remember when he was testifying – like right around the time of the crash, and he was before like the House Financial Services Committee, and they one of the somebody said, "Hey, did you know that like fifty five percent of the market was doing uh, in this specific period was like negatively amortizing option arm loans to people with stated income," and and Alan Greenspan was like, "I didn't even know that was a offered loan product." And so it was like clear that there was such a disconnect between the regulator's knowledge of the financial um, programs being offered and their lack of common sense just through and through. Um, So there's a total lack of the regulators even knowing what they needed to regulate. And then additionally, um, that. So that false sense of affordability was just driving a white hot fire into like full blown meltdown. And, and I do, I think completely that that in and of itself was the, the big driver of why we saw such overvaluation, which then led to such severe correction. Absolutely. I mean, I was a loan officer back then. Yeah. Yes. And just wild, right? It was, yeah. And as a loan officer, so, um, I wasn't. Okay, I I managed loan officers. I trained underwriters and was a part of the operations side back then. Um, And I was blown away. Like I'd have these loan officers come in, you know, and we and we lent in twenty something states, so it was a a bigger swath than just here of the Central Coast. But um, I see these loan officers that are making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, and I have no idea. Like how to look at tax returns or explain the loan and how it works and um, certainly didn't know how to explain a good faith estimate, which really wasn't even a very good form back then. It was just crazy. And and just looking around and just thinking, oh, my gosh, this thing is just a runaway train. Mm -hmm. And today – it's so different. It's so opposite. There's a lot yes. of variables that are different this time around. I think just human nature requires us to look for patterns, right? And right. we see these home values sort of peaking again, and people start to think, okay, well, what happened the last time? Absolutely. And there are so many variables, at least in lending, that are so different 
that we're not having to contend with, like these negative amortization loans and all of these uh, these adjustable rate mortgages that people shouldn't have gotten into that were in and now we're adjusting and now they can't afford it. Those that all of those variables are sort of off the table now. Right. So it it, it kind of it's a testament to what you guys are talking about as, you know, yes, there are some similarities where values are high. Um and maybe we have some affordability issues with rates rising or just a, a lot of different factors. But some of the big ones that made the correction so severe just aren't there anymore. So I, I think that, that that that's important to understand for sure, as you guys are talking about. Well, there are similarities, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was, you know, 10 years ago. Absolutely. So yes. I try to. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Agreed. I also am trying hard to force myself to look for the things that we might be in denial over about sure. what's different this time that's not necessarily for the better. And um, one of the things that I uh, end up thinking about when I go back through this is, first of all, this last recession taught us that um, when you, well, we termed it walk away from a mortgage. Right. Uh, like walk away is such a passive, like calm thing, right? <laughs> right. Um, it's it's like the same thing we said about like like what I tell my kids. Like if you're about to get in a fight, just walk away. It's just the it's the right. It may not be the easiest thing to do, but it's the right thing to do, and it's just calm. You just turn mm -hmm. 180 degrees and you just put one foot in front of the other and you walk away. Right. Well, that's what we started when the going got tough in the real estate community. That's what borrowers did was walk away. Just that's, a, you know, just, yeah, you don't do have that. to fight. You mm -hmm. don't have to be stressed. You just walk away. And um, and then in retrospect, we dumbed down all the penalties for walking away. And we convinced a whole generation full of people that, hey, look, you used to have like the tax problems and, and bankruptcy and to get brandished for life where you just aren't going to be able to get a new mortgage. There's all this, like one of the questions on the application, have you ever had a property that resulted in foreclosure? And that was a big deal during your grandpa's generation. It was almost oh, like absolutely. you have one chance here to prove that you're not the worst kind of piece of crap. <laughs> and then for this last generation of people, just walk away. It would cause problems with the IRS. We're waiving that. Have a bankruptcy problem. We're 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 increasing um, the qualifying criteria for decreasing the qualifying criteria for doing bankruptcy. Like we get it. You're hurting, and it's just. And then all of a sudden, it was like even HUD that is that runs FHA came out with the like these cool programs that were like, well, we call it back to work. So if you're one year out of foreclosure, as long as you take this joke of a 30-minute counseling class here online, we're going to let you get a new house after a year. And it's like too many people had to look around and be like, why would you stick it out when the going gets tough? Look over at my buddy. He walked away, didn't make a mortgage payment for nine months, got offered cash for keys where he got a cash injection of like 5000 bucks in his life. Went and slugged it out in a rental for a couple of months, and now he's buying a house a year later. He's way better off than the clown that kept paying the debt on the house that was worth less than he owed. So I want I worry a little bit that we may have trained a lot of people into thinking, hey, real estate's a really good investment because when it's good, it's good, and when it's bad, you quit. 
no big deal. And so I just worry that too many people might think that now. Um, and, and the other thing that was just mind blowing to me about that last recession and what I think we have going on now is this idea that, um, it's just perception. It's all it is. Like I, you know, we sit on the show and we talk about GDP and unemployment and, you know, gains in the stock market and the strength of the housing market and supply and demand. And at the end of the day, it's all about perception, isn't it? Does the mass of the people believe things are good right now? If confidence is high, the stock market's going up. And when you can no longer defend well that there's reasons to be confident, there's the recession. And everybody just accepts it. And we look to some political leaders or the Fed, something to do something, give us a shot in the arm, make us feel good again, where we can all get back to doing good. But it's just perception. And so the thing that worries me right now like I said, I feel like the media is just out there making the case that things aren't that good. Hey, guys, inventory's normalizing. Get ready. You know, rates are going up faster than they should. Get ready. The tariffs are causing all this problem. Get ready. The stock market's at all-time highs for no good reason. Get ready. And I, everywhere I look, I just keep seeing this as the sentiment. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Are we are we actually campaigning to like undermine right. sentiment right now? Is that the goal? Yes. We're ready <laughs> for that? They're throwing that out there. Are you seeing yeah. that a lot with your clients, Janine? Like when you talk with folks that you've been working with for a while, obviously the environment um, a year ago, which I know a lot of prospective homeowners, you know, it's a process. We talk about it on the show all the time. Sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it's a two or three year path. Um, right. what, what do you feel like the sentiment has changed for some of those people that you've been working with, let's say for over six months or a year who are looking and the current environment is what it is. What, what do you tell your clients to kind of keep them engaged and not fall into that? Oh, well, we're at a bubble. So if I buy now, my property value is going to plummet and we're going to be back in a recession. Are there things that, that conversations you have that sort of keep that dream afloat yes. for your clients? I mean I, I mean, I basically tell my clients a lot of times that, you know, it's like you got to get in while you can. And, and you know, overall, like I talked about, um, the, the overall increase since 2015. So, I mean, I tell them, you know, do you want, do you want to wait? And then you lose your ability to get into a home, you know? Sure. So you got to look at the interest rates have gone, gone up. And so, um, obviously buying power has gone down. So, you know, I have clients that, were on the fence and they were, you know, not sure, not sure. And then they're just seeing, oh, prices are just keep on increasing. So they've chosen to, you know, go for it. So, I mean, a lot of people don't want to be house poor, but at the same mm -hmm. time, this is a good investment. And so that's, I'm usually what I tell my clients is that it's, it's a stable market and, um, there's steady demand and, um, to go for it, you know? And a lot of people have sort of both sides of the coin, right? They're living in a home, yes. which they need to sell. Right. So it's, so it's nice relative. to kind of have that that headwind where, yeah, we're we might, you know, be paying for something that has gone up that we could have gotten for fifty thousand dollars less six months ago. Absolutely. But the the other side is also they're selling their home. They're gaining. They've more, gained right? that equity as well. Yes. Yeah. So, so. That, that seems to be an easier conversation with folks because they are. Dang, I'm going to list my I guess I, even think of the transactions and concurrent closes right. where in a slow market, um, 
you know, it's, it can be challenging, but in a market now where it's like, well, let's find the house, we go into contract and then I can talk about selling my house because I know it's going to sell immediately. Right. That's a, that's a nice luxury to have. Absolutely. To yes. have those funds and available I, yes. immediately. And I have a lot of clients that are in that position right now that they're like, oh, do I want to, do you want to buy right now, you know, and sell my place? And I'm like, well, it's, it's relative. You've gained a lot of equity since you purchased your home. And so, yeah, let's, you know, so they still or softly looking and right. yes, identifying that property. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I find that right now it's, it's definitely more of a seller's market. I mean, there are segments within, you know, the community within the County that, um, will dictate something else, but, um, overall I find that it's more of a seller's market. Totally. We, Jason was telling about a, a story of a client that he has that has sort of that luxury of waiting and finding the perfect home. Um, I guess that's that's one of the challenges right now, right? Is people are having to sort of widen the parameter of what will work for them, maybe starting to look That's at, an inventory problem. Right. Yeah, I, I tell people this a lot, especially first time home buyers really need to understand this, is that buying a home, I know this is, it's way more pragmatic than it is romantic, but, I think when you're, you have never bought a house before and you're doing your internet research, I think about, start getting excited. I'm gonna go pick out the perfect house. Yep. I want to just shoot you down right out of the gate. No, you don't. <laughs> what you're gonna do is you're gonna find a house to settle on because selecting a home is really a process of elimination right. where you rule out the other available options in the market until you find the one with the least dissatisfying characteristics with it. I think at some point when you're like loaded rich and you're in a segment of market where you might be finally buying a dream home, which is, let's be honest, it's none of us. Um, you're settling, right? So in this environment right now, look at what you just said. There's 3.7 months of inventory. 3.47. Yes. 3.4. Okay. Yes. Let's round it up to 3.5. <laughs> it sounds less crisis. -y. Right. Um, that's not enough. And so yes. you're going to go out into, and, and for people that don't understand inventory, the reason we care, that's how many months worth um, of the current absorption before we ran out of homes for sale. So, we have people putting some on the market to sell, coming off a normal or healthy is supposed to be, what, three to six months? Yes. We're at the bottom side of healthy. And, you know, so anyways, the point is, is that you're just, you're going out settling. Well, yeah, and it's I mean, super hard when the inventory is slow. Right. I have clients that come to me and they have their wish list, you know, it's like their dream home wish oh, yeah. list. And well, because those housing shows are teaching us to yes. do that. Oh, yeah. His needs, her needs, his, you know, wish list items and his, I'll never tolerate this yes. item. I love it when they tell me that they watch those shows and then they're like, okay, this is what I want. I'm like, okay, I love where you're going with it. But yeah. let's sit down and realistically look at he what's wants on the market. A, a three car garage. She <laughs> right. wants an oversized island with a sink in it. Yes, and we and want it's... it all for under four. Yeah, and here's our budget. Right. Yeah, yes. make it happen. Yes. <laughs> make it, exactly. and my favorite part about it too is like, and he's an unemployed puppet maker, <laughs> and she's a substitute teacher, and their budget's one point one million. I'm like, who's financing yes. these people? <laughs> you can't do that. He recently went out on his own, left his tech job to start this swing coffee shop in seattle i'm like you can't get a loan when you're unemployed for less than two years people <laughs> right. is there like can we i need it to switch to like uh 
I'd love it. It it should be like a Facebooky live type of thing where you can start seeing people's comments below. I'd be on there just critiquing. Hmm. You're telling people stuff that's not true. I think those shows they either people either aren't getting loans. Or it's like uh, the show must finance him for Somehow. being on the yes. show. Because mm. it's like if you look at the borrower profiles, these people like never works. It never works. Or you think about I'll like I'm a nerd. I have my laptop in my lap. And they're like these people are looking in whatever in Seattle or something. Right. And it's their budget's one point one million. And they're like, well, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to put three hundred thousand dollars down and get a loan for eight hundred grand. And I'm like. Uh, conforming loan limit for Seattle. And I'm like, no, you're not. That's a jumbo loan. And you don't even have two years on the job guy. You're not getting that loan. But then they are, you know, right there. And well, they, they bought it. A lot of times they don't show the closing on that, right? They just say, this yes. is the house they went on contract on. And this is I the one they chose. And this is the sad husband who agreed to maybe a one-car garage. Well, one I understand <laughs> on many of them, though, um, and this is disappointing to know this. Somebody ruined it for me, though, so here you go. Uh, most of those shows, they already bought and closed the house. Really? really? Yeah. And so what they're doing is they're then taking the couple that have already selected their home and showing them a few other properties in the neighborhood. Mm. Um that are sort of like setting it up as though it was, um, you know, did you pick cottage house or house in the trees or did you go <laughs> right. with weekend getaway? <laughs> and they knew that before they filmed day one, they were already like closed on the house. They don't bought. show us behind know. the curtain. We don't want to know. Boo. Boo. Yeah. yeah we're some friends for me, Jason. Well, You'll be all right. <laughs> News flash. There's a that's like my kids have always been the like the wild card where they're you know, they they might run in and tell your kids that the tooth fairy thing's all nonsense oh, at like yes. five. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I'm like Okay, in our family, we we just we don't do a lot of the clever ruse things, but you have to let other people let live them in have that their if joy. they want that. Yes, right. Well, my son, yeah, my son figured it out at a young age, so I keep on telling him, "Don't ruin it for your sister." Please, yeah, please see? keep that. And most of life is about playing the game. Yes, right. right. So learn, get good at playing the game, son. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we need to do the final commercial break here of the show. Jim's probably already got another track queued up and ready to rock, so we're looking forward to that. It's a lot um, of the same time frame as Soft Cell. Not from the Coneheads. And now, I'm and yeah, so anyways, then we'll be back for the final run of the show, so uh, stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero-down and low-down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. 80s bands were known for that. I always thought I'd be, um, missed my calling, man. I should have been, I would like to have been like Ja Rule. That guy got so rich and famous. He got so rich and famous, and he's in all those like hip hop tracks where like the whole thing, the whole Ja Rule thing is like, Someone's singing and rapping, and they're all doing things. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like all that guy ever does, and he got so rich and famous from that. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Been cool. Um. All right, well. This is more rewarding, though, right? Mm-hmm. Doing what you do now. See, you can write the mortgage for Ja Rule's house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You think Ja Rule's getting a mortgage? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. I hope not. She could sell in yes, the house. Yes, I would be happy That's, to represent him. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, in fact, who was just telling me the other day? They know somebody that got that line. I'll remember in a minute. I was talking to somebody who was telling me about a friend of theirs who had a great job, lost it, and then got... Was a it was a graphic market. Now I know who it is, and I can't tell you who it is. But this lady was telling me her brother had a job as like a graphic um, artist for a marketing company. Just makes amazing graphic arts for some oil industry type of um, gig. They did some restructuring and basically canned this internal marketing company for this um, huge oil company. 
So he was unemployed for a handful of months, and then he finally was like, oh, I guess I need to, like, get a job. So he put out, hey, this is what I do, and I'm just up for something exciting. He gets picked up by um, this realtor in Austin that is, like, the realtor for the stars. Average listing is, like, $20 million. And he's doing yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like um on the team now and right. is doing like the marketing materials for this crazy oh realtor. Goodness. And I was like, dang, how lucky you are. Mm. I mean, good to be good at that kind of thing, but dude, yes. I want to be involved in twenty million dollar real estate. Oh, yes, that's what I'm talking about. There's <laughs> not a lot of those around here. No. What's the highest sales price you've ever had? Um, my highest is one point two. Yes. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a I mean, listing. that's like 12 houses in Bakersfield for like a Bakersfield agent. Oh, right. For sure. Yeah. When yeah. we had our um, awards meeting, they were talking about that unit number of units. And then my um, my broker, he owns a, a roast, an, an agency out in Bakersfield. And so he was talking about that. And he's <laughs> like, and then Janine, here she is, you know, with only six closings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, But they were, um, you know, a lot higher end. Back when I did wholesale home loans, I had this dude out in Colorado that was the best he was so good um did like 30 transactions a month oh my goodness that were all like 60 70 thousand bucks and then um we have this dude in the bay area who drove me up a freaking wall did like four or five and beat the dude from colorado every month and didn't know nearly as much and i was like i would talk to my friend daryl from colorado i'm like move out here with your work ethic and your knowledge and your ability, oh, you will absolutely. do so good. Yes. You're out there like schlepping around in $60,000 loan amounts when you should be out here. And he was like, ah, I'm not a Californian. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm not either, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm here in my earning time of life. Earning. Folks oh. in Colorado have a, a negative view of Californians because they- really? Because they, they're jealous. Ha, they have a tendency to come in uh, to a certain area and they bring the money, right? And so they start buying the properties. There's this overexpansion by what folks in Colorado feel and then also drives up the values. So there's there's that sort of that ongoing joke in Colorado about, oh, it's California. That's every state, though. Yeah. yeah. yeah every every yeah. state has people coming from California. I mean, let's be honest, it's just jealousy everywhere everywhere you are. You know, it's this way in Texas, it's this way in Florida. Yeah, oh, you're sure. from California. Yep. Sure am. <laughs> <laughs> Donate me. Cuz it's the best <laughs> it's the best state for sure. Yes. But once you're done with that earning portion of your life, it's sort of hard to justify being here. Mm -hmm. And right. then I think there's those other people like I have a handful of friends that have left California um, because they started families and it's like so real estate so expensive here and it's so hard to live here right. that with their skill set, you know, they might be able to be a single income family in another state, but here it's just not an option. And so I've I have friends that have left for those reasons, and I get that. If you're in something that's not tied to a percentage of the sales price of real estate in California, you should probably ask yourself if it's best to be here. Right? I mean, you definitely am a right dual income. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. Um. So who's the who's the average like clientele for you right now? 
move up buyers or first time home buyers or luxury buyers who are we working with i really have a mix of clientele right now i yeah. have a i just closed a transaction of first time home buyers i have one in contract right now that's a first time home buyer actually first time home buyer on her own recently divorced mm. so um and then i do have a couple families that are looking just to move up so selling a you know $550,000 house and they're looking to buy something in the eights um and then i do have a few clients that are looking in the higher ends like million dollar so i kind of i cover it all you got the whole the whole thing working yes i feel like usually our our clientele is usually like the first time home buyers and then of course our repeat clients like our the people that are really loyal to us that have bought homes you know years ago and are now that move up buyer so we we do those too we don't do a whole lot of that jumbo or that upper end. But I understand that segment of the market's a little bit slower. Yes. Yes. The it million is. plus. Yes, the million plus, definitely. Stuff sitting on the market yeah, longer. Days on market longer. There's there's thirty seven listings, I think, in Aurora Grande that are over a million. Mm. So I didn't look to see how long they've been sitting in the market, but you know, average days on market's like twenty seven days. So on the higher end you're seeing it longer for right. sure. Yes. I wonder uh <clears throat> I always wonder about that, you know, those people that, because you have to be kind of special, I think, to be buying a 1.2 or $1.5 million house. Yes, it's, 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 I had a listing that was 1.2 in Aurora Grande and it was, it was a harder sale, especially since it was, had stairs. So Mm -hmm. you have people that are looking in that segment. They're later in life because they've accumulated wealth. Absolutely. Yet those (laughs) knees and those stairs don't feel like the right recipe for the future. Absolutely. So selling a home with um, stairs like that can be challenging in the upper upper levels of the segment. So, I I mean, I ended up selling it to a single guy and it worked. But When you get in that over a million mark... It's a safe estimate of about, I'd say for budgetary purposes, call it $650 per 100000 purchased. So like a 1.2, you're looking at probably a mortgage payment that's, you know, if you were to finance the majority of that a mortgage payment, that's six, seven grand a month. Oh, yes. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yes. So what do those people do? I mean, I, that's that's a lot of money. Yes. I mean, when I've had transactions like that, a lot of times they're selling something else. So they have yeah, a lot of the big down yes, payment. Yes, big down payment. So I'm not selling seeing... the house they inherited. Yes. I haven't had a <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yes. Oh, man. Well, can you guys believe it that we made it through this whole hour? And you look, you started off so nervous and then now <laughs> you're like a seasoned pro. Thank you. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, it. If anybody's listening that wants to get a hold of you for some uh, buying, maybe they want to list their $5 million house and help you set that record. How do they reach you? They can call my cell phone at 805-904-9965. my best contact. If you're driving and you can't really write that down right now, we know how to get a hold of Janine too. So you're welcome to call us. One number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN. And I know we got an area code now, but we're we're OG, so it's 805. <laughs> 543-LOAN. Um, and on the web, we're centralcoastlending.com. So if you need any kind of loan help or you just need Janine's contact information, you can call it. We'd be 
uh, happy to put you guys in touch. And um, Jason, thanks a bunch for coming in today. I know it's hard on you. It uh, it worked out just fine. Thank you. You're fine Appreciate with it. that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're always looking to just throw our hat in the ring. If you guys have financing needs, um, you know, want to make sure that you the current situation you have is a good one to keep doing, or if you're interested in figuring out a game plan for the future, get in touch with us. Uh, otherwise. We're out of here. We'll be back next week for a whole nother two-hour live episode of Mortgage Matters. You guys have a great week.